Is this a podcast yet, or are we just I don't talking? Know. What is today? <laughs> Today's Monday, February 3rd. I've been very out of it today. <laughs> Kid, it's 2020. It is, which we is weird. We haven't talked since 2019. Has it really been that long? Yeah, we haven't. I mean, the episode came out, like, just not too long ago, but we recorded it in... Well, did... Wait, no, did... No, hold on. That might be a lie. No, I think the, <laughs> that's a lie. The, the other... We recorded in 2020. Man, false advertising. <laughs> this, that's 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 our new tagline for this podcast. Hey, if you're interested in false advertising, might we interest you in advertising for this show? Uh, <laughs> just tell people to listen and go to reddit.com slash r slash layer by layer slash posts slash question mark equals i don't know let's see what that does uh you know that url sounded almost too accurate (laughs) i'm a little uncomfortable with that yeah let's see what it does post slash question mark equals three oh wow that's weird it gives a page that says not found but like i just got redirected to like a team fortress 2 post wait really yeah Reddit.com slash r slash layer by layer slash post slash question mark equals three. Yeah. For me, it just took me to a page that says not found in like a weird monospace font. I'll I'll post the link in our shared doc and like go to it. All right. I'm going to it. Yeah, no, to me, for me, it just takes me to a page that says not found. And it's what? like in tiny black text on a white background. Mine redirects legitimately to this Team Fortress 2 (laughs) post. I am not kidding you. I think I got to add these to the show notes. (laughs) It's literally just TF2 trading guide question mark. Wait. What? (laughs) (laughs) It, It like inserted TF2 trading guide into your URL. Yeah. Does the question mark equals three even do anything? I have no clue. I, I No, that's know. the same page you get if you don't have the question mark equals three at the end. But how I'm, did you... <laughs> I'm so confused. Hmm. Have you ever been to this page no, before? No, never been to this page before. <laughs> huh. In fact, like, if I just do... Even without the question mark equals three, it redirects me to this. What if I do this incognito? Like, is this remembering I think... something weird? I think we might need our listeners to do an experiment for us and see where this takes them. Okay, now now it's just straight up not found in an incognito yeah. window. That's what I'm getting. Yeah. But if you've never been to this I've, TF2 subreddit. I don't think I have, at least. Maybe it was literally the third Reddit post I've ever seen. <laughs> Why wouldn't <laughs> it like, take me to something, then? I don't know. <laughs> I am legitimately confused like this is and the you said weirdest... it does it without the question mark equals three though also yeah if i just do slash posts it redirects <laughs> me here so and that that has slash r slash layer by layer in it so like yeah what <laughs> and in fact it doesn't i just did r slash cubers slash posts and it redirects me to this thread <laughs> what the heck uh what if i do like something else r slash cubers slash comments okay that actually makes sense it takes me to a list of all the most recent comments in that subreddit 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. But why doesn't posts work? I literally don't know what is going on. Hmm. <laughs> um, this our show's logo is brought to you by the wonderful Sarah Olson. Um, and this is recorded on Monday, February 3rd, 2020, which I think you already said, but you were really lethargic saying it. So I'm just going to do that instead. Sorry. I'm, 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 I'm experimenting with Reddit. <laughs> I went to reddit.com slash r slash cuber slash slash r slash cuber slash comments slash posts. And it's a Reddit page, but it's blank. Mine just does page not found when I do that. <laughs> Why is it different? I don't understand. Slash r slash cubers slash comments slash posts. Yeah. Are you logged into Reddit right now? I am. Okay, wait. Now it's like loading. Okay, it gave me like a loading symbol on the page and then it didn't load anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 how is this not a bell? I don't know. I don't either. <laughs> I haven't listened, been listening very intently for the bell, but I don't think you said anything for the bell. Oh, uh, bummer. I just thought doing something stupid was going to be worth the bell, because it seems to be when I'm doing stupid things. So <laughs> That's just all I feel, is I feel embarrassed whenever a bell comes on. <laughs> Maybe it's like a Pavlovian response. I it, don't know. It literally is not nothing to do with you doing anything embarrassing, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but... So, like, you don't have to feel embarrassed about it. It's just an incidental thing. Uh, it's just the it might, feeling I get. It might coincide with you doing something embarrassing, but it doesn't have to. Yeah, I don't know. Weird stuff. Um, <laughs> should we actually do an episode? Yeah, we actually have a lot of stuff to talk about today. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's get on with that. So, first of all, some follow-up stuff. World records. Lots of them. Max Park did a bunch of world records. Yeah, he got a 5x5 five five single world record of 34.92, which is a little fast. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, very fast. Just a, just a small bit fast. Yeah, and of course, he, he did it at a competition that I like wasn't at. He could have been in SoCal, but he wasn't. Instead, he was, yeah, it was, was in, at Berkeley. Yeah, he, I think it was Berkeley. Yeah, instead he went up to Northern California to do these things. Boo. The 6x6 uh, six six single and average went down, uh, 109.51 and 115.90. Yep. Uh, and the 7x7 seven seven world record average that a lot of people said was one of the best records of 2019 has been broken already uh, with <laughs> a 146.57. Yeah, that's really fast. Max is in seven by seven, and I think five and seven especially, just very far ahead of the mm-hmm. rest of the world. Yeah, um, and I think now his six, six records put him in that range too. Because I mean, Kevin had a single last year that was that was just barely too slow to be the six by six world record single. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that was like around a one fifteen. Yeah, now one oh nine is. That's yeah, and ahead. 115 is the average world record. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of like really good world records and things that we were already talking about being good last year and already being broken, Kill Shone got a 21 FMC mean. And mm-hmm. that's just, that's stupid. That's, I was going to say fast, but it probably wasn't. Yeah. Um, 
I'm pretty sure people in our uh, subreddit were uh, pointing out in the comments that we were like already wrong, or I don't know. We, we yeah. t- I think we talked about how like unbreakable or difficult to break that world record was when yeah. The at least was... we didn't we didn't like lean into how hard it was yeah. to break it, at least. So I don't feel as <laughs> as, as awkward this time. Uh, no, no. Yeah, I, I think we've learned in FMC that um, that we should expect the unexpected. I mean, a 15 is really hard to get just by the difficulty of that kind of scramble coming up in the first place but average i think you know it's 21 is ridiculous now so Uh, i'm gonna call it right now both of the current fmc world records will stand at this time next year february 3rd next year uh, i don't know if i feel comfortable with that they might be tied but they're not going to be beaten i i feel i would feel confident saying that about the single i don't feel confident saying that about the average 21 is just so good it is like like who even gets twenty one singles? <laughs> yeah, I mean, people are just getting good at FMC, and uh, like honestly, a single can carry a meme. Yeah, but like once you're down in the range of getting twenty ones, like you need a really good single to carry that mean. Totally, yeah, but I mean, like eighteens, nineteens, they it, like it just takes one eighteen and nineteen, and then two very good results. To get in that range. Yeah. I don't know, though. I don't think yeah. that happened. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm I, not sure if I want to, you know, make a prediction on this, but <laughs> I don't feel very... I don't feel like that's a, something you could be super confident about at this point. You know what? I'm going to do it. Never broken, ever. No, I'm just kidding. That is uh, a very bad prediction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just, I just don't see it being beaten, but I'm also out of touch with fmc at the moment so i'm i'm very out of touch too so yeah so i could be way off i did get a mean that's ahead of yours now what i didn't even know about this yeah well um did you hear about the scrambles at washington championships oh yeah never mind i learned about this (laughs) (laughs) for those that don't know uh one of the scrambles at uh washington championships there were seven people that got a 21 uh, including people that c- still couldn't get a sub-30 mean after getting that 21. <laughs> yeah, which just shows you how dead obvious the 21 was. It was just the dumbest CFOP solution I've ever had in an official <laughs> competition. Uh, and, and what was your mean? That I didn't hear about what your mean was. Uh, it was 25-33. Oh, okay. That makes yeah, sense. I, I, was, I had a very sad third attempt, unfortunately, because mm-hmm. I started 21-25. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, third attempt did not go well. Sad thing is that I, uh, I basically did the exact same thing when I started twenty four twenty four in Hawaii. Like my mind got all try hard and looked at mm-hmm. like so many EO starts and never got anywhere on them. Yeah, you, you, it's like you could go for like getting something really good, or you could just go for something like decent and you know yeah. break your break your PR by more. And as soon as the attempt was over, like the next day, I went over the scramble and I found like a block building seventeen to five. Yeah, no, that's Which, all it would have taken. That's all it would have taken to get like a a uh, what it would have been uh, like twenty four thirty three mean. Yeah. So, oh well, <laughs> it <laughs> happens. <laughs> I think that, and that's the perspective that kind of gave me about Kale's mean is that like lucky singles can just kind of happen. That's true. Yeah. And like twenty one obviously isn't lucky enough anymore, <laughs> but <laughs> um, but like eighteens and nineteens can just happen, and like. 182222 is world record. You, you say that like it's really easy to do though. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I'm aware it's not easy. I'm just saying that, like, with how many people are doing FMC right now and yeah. how fast people are improving, that, like, just lucky singles happen often enough that, like, if you give a good FMCer a lucky scramble, mm-hmm. they can do a lot with that. You don't have to drop your best single in this event. Yeah, I just don't... I just... I don't know. I guess... For me, I feel like it takes two lucky singles, really, to put... Like, for yeah. most FMCers, I think it would take two lucky singles to put them in, in a realistic range of getting it. Yeah, that's that's a fair assessment. So, I don't know. I, I, I think you're not f- far off in saying that it won't be broken this time next year, but I don't feel super confident in making that prediction. Yeah, I mean, me neither. I mean, he did just set a 21. Like, what's to stop him from doing one move better? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and the weird thing about Kale, this was like something I said to somewhere on Facebook. Granted, I don't know much about how he practices at home, but from what I've seen him in comps, uh, especially the past year, he's the one that's been playing with, you know, weird edge skeletons and DR stuff the longest out of mm-hmm. anyone that I'm aware of, at least. And his results have just been consistently good, like 22 to 25 range, like very frequently. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the thing is that, like, I think before this comp, his PB single was a 22. So, like, he broke the world record by beating his single by more than a move with his yeah. average. <laughs> yep, yeah, that is true. He, his P, PR single was 22. He is really consistent in that range, though. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why it's like, I think that head to head, like, in a competition... I pick Kale every time to generally win, but I didn't think he was going to be very, like, I mean, I didn't think anyone was super likely to break the world record, but if whoever was to break it next, I didn't think he was the first choice. I don't know about that. I, I think I think I might have chosen him. Yeah, I mean, he would have been up there, but I think that his results are just so con- almost so consistent. But, th- but th- that actually makes me think that, like, if he ever does hit the lucky single... Mm. he's more likely than anyone else, I think, to be able to capitalize on You're it. using my argument against me. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, and that's a fair point, too. Um, I, st- I mean, I think he's probably the most deserving of this record. To, Absolutely. In, in I would my say eyes. That. Just he's been so consistently good at FMC for the better part of 2019 with yeah i mean it's ridiculous to think that like his pr single is 22 and he's had like four or five like sub 25 means Mm -hmm. like that's ridiculous (laughs) um so i don't know he he definitely deserved the world record i'm glad it ended up with him just because i think that currently he's probably the most deserving of the record right now yeah and he is definitely the the person to beat in fmc right now Oh, yeah, for 100%. One prediction I did get right, I think, in this podcast, I predicted, like, I thought he was the best FMC or, like, when we were talking about FMC Americas. Oh, yeah. And that, like, I, if I had to pick a winner, it would have been him. Pretty sure I said that on the podcast, didn't I? I have no idea, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure a listener could tell us. I know. It's the funny thing about podcasting is, like, listeners probably know everything we say, but we literally have no idea what we say on these podcasts. So, anyway, whether I said it or not, I definitely, going into FMC America's believed he was head and shoulders over, maybe not head and shoulders, but at least, like, head over uh, <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the, like, the the field. Um, yeah. To the point where I was like, 
I don't know. Like, I would probably still take still have taken the field over Kale because of just how how many people it was. But if <laughs> you had to pick one person, definitely, like he was the 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 clear favorite. Well, speaking of clear favorites, I've been to a couple t- competitions with Graham Siggins recently. Oh, cool! Because uh, he has moved to San Diego and get to see him at comps and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he told me sixty nine out of sixty nine could happen this year. Which I mean, just looking at his results, it seems realistic. But I mentioned it to him specifically, and he said his exact words were, could happen this year. That's crazy. I don't... So, like, it's one thing to be as good at multi as Graham is. It's another thing for just to have motivation to keep on improving at the rate he is improving. Yeah, like, and to do an 160 cube attempt. <laughs> that's... I mean, that's another topic. But, but like, <laughs> um, Graham... I don't know, just with blind events in general are so burnout heavy. I mean, we mm-hmm. see this, we've seen this recently with Max Hillier just falling off the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's still the world record holder for three blind, but he hasn't competed uh, in like four months. Yeah. Cause, and I think he's quit cubing, at least for now, entirely. So it's, uh, it's an event like the blind events in general just cause so much burnout with people like that you practice hard and like you just get demotivated from it so quickly multi-blind is probably the worst in terms of demotivation just because of how much time you put into one attempt and like if it goes poorly it just like sucks the motivation out of you i feel yeah i feel like for me i feel like it's similar for fmc but it's not as bad for fmc just because like I mean, like, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know exactly why it is, but it's just so much more mental energy, I think, for multi-blind. Yeah, it's so much more focused mental energy where I feel like FMC is more, like, <laughs> this is a weird word, but whimsical and, like, exploring. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, anything could happen. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, like, I, I think that the, it, FMC is fun because of how unexpected things are, where multi-blind yeah. feels very routine and repetitive. Multi-blind is, is work. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where, yeah, FMC kind of feels like a, a you, your approach to every scramble is so different, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe not terribly different, but I mean, like, the, the stuff you find within scrambles and how you respond to what you find, uh, like, is mentally stimulating to me. The point being, though, is, like, I even talked, I've talked with Mark about this, and he has a, like, when he practices multi, like, he goes really hard for periods of time, usually leading up to major competitions, mm-hmm. and then has to take several months off. Because it's so draining to practice that hard. Yeah, but uh, Graham just seems to keep going. That's the, that's what's so impressive to me. I mean, like, his skill is impressive, but, like, holding his skill aside, like, it's even more impressive just how motivated he is to keep improving. Yeah. That, in, in that event especially, that's what's so ridiculous to me. And to keep improving by so much. Like, yeah. he's not just maintaining his skill, he's really improving. Right, yeah. It's like, I don't know, it's like, I mean, I think the only other really, uh, the only other cuber in multi-blind history that's really just, like, improved for the sake of improving was Mascow, where, mm-hmm. like, he took world record, pushed it to new heights nobody thought possible, and then kind of fell out of it. Yeah. You know, like, Mark took the world record, and I think after he took the world record uh, for multi-blind, he rested. <laughs> he rested for quite a bit. Shivam, I think, to some extent, did the same thing. I don't know for sure. I don't want to say that as, like, confirmed fact, but mm-hmm. I be- I feel like Mark mentioned that to me once. I don't know for sure. I don't know, it's just, like, it's pretty common in multi to see people, like, reach the goal they wanted, 
and then be like, oh boy, that's about as far as I can push the thing. I'm going to stop. <laughs> For now, at least. Yeah. Graham is just crazy. I, I He's absolutely insane. <laughs> yeah, and let's talk, let's talk about what else he did. Which... Yeah, that... <laughs> Speaking of insanity. Yeah, he live-streamed a 160-cube, like, unlimited-time attempt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he got 154 out of 160. Yep. And the time was, like, impressive, too. Like, he yeah. did it. It was, like, 440-something. So if you consider he's doing, like, almost four times as many cubes, or not, not, not quite almost four times as many cubes, but, you know, around there and only doing it in slightly, like, like five times a normal attempt like <laughs> yeah i mean he's i don't know it's it's more like three times because if you're saying he's because like 60 cube attempts three yeah, times right. that would be like 180 right yeah but, never mind okay i mean still. just it, it i mean it obviously if you add that many cubes you're gonna have to slow your memo speed to some extent i feel mm-hmm. i don't know just for like mental energy's sake like graham on the stream is like he was executing like especially toward the end was just like oh my god i'm so hungry (laughs) like in the middle of the stream he was just complaining like in his last like five or six packs about Uh how hungry he was (laughs) and like the dude's doing a five hour cubing attempt like of course the man's hungry yeah uh i was like telling him in his chat while i was watching like dude bring like put snacks on the table if you're gonna do a bigger attempt next time <laughs> like eat them during memo yeah you, you need like a like a support team when you're when you're doing Seriously. like huge attempts like that yeah god i don't know that's as someone who struggles to like get 12 or 13 cubes done under an hour that's <laughs> yeah. the stuff he does is insanity there's some other big things we haven't talked about yet that aren't exactly new, but we should no, talk about them. We should. Our recording schedule has been very sporadic through the holidays and this yeah. new year, so we kind of missed a big piece of news to <laughs> talk about while it was relevant, but you know, I think it's still worth talking about now. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And that is that Beat is gone. crab emoji music here <laughs> or not not crab emoji that's just what you crab crab show. rave yeah the crab rave music. <laughs> is, is that a open license ah if i use a short enough part of it right <laughs> <laughs> it's that it, use a short enough part and it's what it's uh what like fair use then yeah something like that they'll never find out they'll um, never. yeah it's not like we're putting on youtube where there are like people that you know or algorithms that find that crap yeah anyway <laughs> so yeah i it, it happened uh it's it wasn't a glorious ending by any means but we're I in mean, a world without feet now arguably it was kind of interesting because there was those world records at the end that is true yeah we did have the like everyone kind of expected daniel rose levine to be the forever world record holder and he's the world record holder in neither single nor average now cool so what what are your thoughts in the feet fallout um my thoughts i'm somewhat disappointed by our community what part of it the um slacktivism part of it hmm explain like i don't the 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 possibility of feats removal has been so obvious i feel for like a couple years now Mm -hmm. and 
I honestly feel like people only got really angry. There, were, I mean, there were people that were campaigning very strongly to keep feet, and that's great. But I feel like a lot of the noise surrounding feet was very loud from like basically people that only chimed in after like its official removal was announced. I'll say that for me personally, I, I wasn't really aware that it was a thing on the table until then, mm. which is what, about a year ago? Yeah, I mean, it was announced as like it slated to be removed at the beginning of 2019. Yeah, and, like, people people got upset about it by then, but not like not like out of their minds upset. Mm. <laughs> um, things got it just completely irate once it was announced in December. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get why. Like the the WRC promised some form of community survey to determine whether it should be removed or not. Such survey never happened. Yeah. So I understand that part of it and people being upset about that fact. Honestly, there's whatever the results of the survey was, there was nothing that was going to change the outcome. Mm -hmm. I I, I don't want to say too much about the internal details about what happened. But um, from what I understand, the survey was supposed to be not just a WRC effort, but a larger WCA effort to gain information about what the community wants from the WCA as a whole. Okay. And um, basically, the WRC wanted to do it, but other committees were sort of holding the thing back. Hmm. Okay. And as a result, it never got pushed out. And by the time it was ready to go, I think WRC was basically like, well, at this point, like, there's not going to be enough feedback. And even if the feedback is, you know, majority in support of keeping feet. There's been too much internal delegate talk and too much too much time that like with the announcement being made it was going to remove be removed that it would look just as strange to say now finally we're not going to remove it and there would be probably just as much of a backlash about like being flaky and not sticking to your decision had feet been kept flaky. I I cannot comment on what triggers the bell. <laughs> flaky, um... flaky, flaky, flaky. 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 <laughs> um, okay, well, we've pinpointed that. Uh... <laughs> yeah, for me, I think, I mean, I haven't, like, I don't know, I, don't, I haven't really noticed anything since it's changed, because, you know, I didn't really care about feet that much in the first place. I, I feel like my, like, opinion on its removal is going to be influenced by what happens from here um yeah to a large extent in terms of like what other events are going to be like how how is the wca going to be restructured if it is going to be like what other events are going to go are there any events that are going to be added are we going to do things with like a rotating thing of events or anything like that like yeah i just i want to see how this all shakes out and i feel like we're still in the middle of it i think there's a serious discussion that needs to happen about what the wca is going to look like you know five ten years down the road Mm -hmm. Um, and I've seen some pretty crazy proposals to like reduce the WCA itself to like nine or 10 events. Really? Yeah. Um, not internally, uh, like not seriously considered proposals, but I've seen like people theorize out there that the WCA should really focus on like the nine or 10 most popular and most watchable events Mm -hmm. to try to make the WCA world championships look more competitive and more enjoyable to viewers yeah that makes sense 
as long as there are other ways to like you know get the other events out there i think yeah exactly and i think that i think the proposal i saw was a little bit too extreme i can see that like we i could see a future where like the world championships and other major events only focus on some small number of events mm-hmm. and like you know maybe there would be in the future as this grows even bigger like a separate bri- uh, brine blindfolded championships See, this is why I think it's when I do something embarrassing. <laughs> uh, so, um, I don't know. Like, I think that uh, there's, a, there's a lot of valid points about that with how, you know, major championships could start to focus on only the most watchable and most popular events that people care about most. Mm-hmm. And it sort of streamlines the event potentially to be more spectator friendly more attractive to sponsors things of that nature but uh in terms of just like event the event list as it stands currently whether like ignoring the like what is required at worlds and other majors i think that the future going forward is to come up with some sort of tiering of events and i've imagined sort of a three-tiered structure where uh tier one events have to be at every major so continental and worlds yeah Tier 2 can be at them, but are not required to be. And Tier 3 cannot be at the majors and worlds. Okay. So still track records for them, but you can't, you're like just, you're actually not allowed to have them there. So this would be like, this would be a thing that basically allows us to keep the events we have, but -hmm. just change their prioritization, right? Yeah. And then there's basically, if you do that, because like, I think that if there's a lot of really weird events that people want, but like one of the biggest arguments is like, this event is like too stupid slash too weird, too logistically difficult. I don't ever want to hold it. Then great. Mm -hmm. You never have to, even if you're involved on a major championship, because it's in this tier where it cannot be held at a major championship. Q tier. Yeah. (laughs) Q tier. Exactly. (laughs) Um, and while like at first this, I think a lot of people might think it's a bad idea at first. Cause it's like, well, why would you want to make it never possible to hold? And I think it's because by basically having a tier of events that cannot be held at major championships, I could imagine if they were allowed that the community would like pressure for certain events to be held in my eyes. I want, I want more events, not fewer. Yeah, me too. But but the problem with having more events is that you have more people who are like really want their event to be at big competitions. Mm-hmm. So as you add more events, you have more people that want their event to be recognized. But if there's basically a tier that's like, have fun all you want at locals, but this will never be at a major championship, then great. Have fun at your local competitions. Like... You know, and that I think really captures sort of the spirit of what the WCA intentionally was when it started. Like there mm-hmm. was no event list in the initial WCA. Yeah. It was, hey, I'm going to do a cubing competition and I want there to be three by three, four by four, five by five, rainbow cube, 15 <laughs> puzzle and Siamese cube. And they'd be like, great, have fun. <laughs> Um, there was no results database on the WCA website. So, like, th- they would list your competition, say what events you're doing, and go there to do it, you know? Yeah. It was that it really what kind of forced an official event list was having a results database and determining what events we wanted to list on there. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so that's that's really what sort of led us to an 18 and now 17 event world is the development of a database and sort of like the systematic exclusion of unpopular events by creating that database. Yeah. As Lucas has said many times, like it's created a very sharp line, like a big difference between official and unofficial, where official events are super highly valued and unofficial events are just literal trash. Yeah, like I would never consider practicing an unofficial event. Well, I mean, right now I wouldn't really consider practicing much of anything. Yeah, uh, but, but when I was practicing, I would not consider at all practicing an unofficial event because it's like, for me, I'm not like a super competitive person. Mm-hmm. But when there is something like a competition that I can do, like that becomes the only reason I care about like doing the thing. Mm-hmm. Like obviously I still have fun with it and I still enjoy being part of the community around it. Yeah. But it's like the competition is the thing that drives me to get better at doing it. Like a, a very recent thing that I'm just, I've started to do is get, get into Magic the Gathering. And oh, really? I'm partially interested in that because I've learned about this whole like sort of competition tournament structure that exists. Mm-hmm. And I'm very interested in all of that. Not really interested in just playing the game for fun all that much. So... Mm-hmm. That's interesting because I used when I was in high school, I did a lot of uh, maybe not a lot, but I did a few like official Magic the Gathering tournaments. And the thing that mm-hmm. prevented me from doing it more was the community. Oh, really? Well, yeah, I, I will say I haven't actually been to any yet. But the idea of it is what, as I said, very, very recent. Uh, oh, very. OK, cool. Yeah. Interesting. So we'll see how that goes. I'll keep you updated. Yeah. Well, I'll but I, I'll save yeah. <laughs> my experience for another time then. <laughs> Yeah, I'm starting to, I'm starting, I've learned more about the game. I like the game system. Oh, it's an amazing game. I love it. I wish I could, I wish I had people to play with it, play yeah. like, the game with more. But the idea of the, the comp- competitive system right now is interesting to me. But you're right, the community, I, I cannot speak to that. <laughs> yeah. And it might have just been like the, like a localized problem and not a global problem. But, um, basically, I'd say the community in Magic was just a little bit too ultra competitive for me. Mm-hmm. where it didn't feel like welcoming and like it didn't feel like it was some place that i felt welcomed as a beginner that's fair yeah um which cubing is very good at yeah i opinion. feel like that might not be as much of a problem for me because i have a lot of experience with board games so i don't really need the helping hand to get into it but like yeah i, I could totally just... see that being a thing for other people it was that I needed a helping hand. Like by the by the time I did my first um, like uh, draft release, mm-hmm. I had been playing Magic for like six years. Okay, so I definitely didn't need like a helping hand, but like I felt like every opponent that I was playing was so serious about the game that they didn't want to like have friendly conversation with you mm. while playing. Okay, yeah, that's lame. Yeah, and that felt really uncomfortable to me. Like this is not. I don't know. It, <laughs> And that's what kind of drove me away from doing it is that I've just so rarely found people when I was playing games competitively that wanted to actually like make it a social event and instead just saw it purely as a competition. Hmm. I could see that. Yeah. It is. It's such a weird game. Uh, yeah. Like in terms of, I don't, I don't know, just in terms of like, there are people who are into it that like aren't into other board game stuff like at all, which is mm-hmm. just weird to me because it, it seems so much. It's just a game. Uh, yeah. It's a good game. Uh, it's an amazing game. Yeah. I haven't bought a card in like uh, a decade. 
at least. But I loved it when I played it. It was so much fun. Draft. The thing is, I had so much fun draft doing draft games. Like I'm sure you've done. Or have you done any drafts before? Uh, not yet. I've, okay. I've, I know a lot about them though. Yeah, drafting is so much fun when you do it with people you know and uh, okay. can be social with you. I just had zero fun doing it with random people. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah, and it's like why I'm a, like I. It basically if like if like five or six friends magically appeared that all wanted to do a Magic the Gathering draft, I would be like, hell's to the yeah. <laughs> Um, but th- that has not happened yet, so it is not happened right, well, in my when life. When you yet. come when you come to Mud Winter, let's let's get something going. Not yeah, Kevin is like super into magic, so that's dude, he's the reason I'm getting into it. So nice. Uh, okay. Anyway, we're way off topic. We um, so I was far off I was topic. talking about uh, competitiveness <laughs> and how having something be like a competitive thing is motivating. Um, <laughs> layer by layer, a Magic the Gathering podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so what were we saying? Uh, yeah, having having official events makes them more fun. Okay. For some people. Yes. <laughs> um, can I propose something to you that may change your mind on this? Yes. Have you heard of speed cubing extra events? I've heard of it. I've never looked at it. I just clicked on the link in the show notes. I don't really know what it is though. So this is a website that collects information about unofficial events that were held at official WCA competitions and puts them in a database just like the WCA website. Okay. So, like, for example, there are um, <laughs> rankings for things like Ready Cube. There's what all the this? feet results got imported in. Um, there's stupid events like 3x3 three three with oven mitts. What is 3x3x3 three by three by three bets? Oh, that is a weird event. Why uh, is it? You, why is its symbol a hammer hitting a cube? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Bets is like apparently where you put a time down, and um, you have to get basically. So, like, if I say thirteen, se- if I bet thirteen seconds, uh-huh. and then let's say I get a ten point five, mm-hmm. I win my bet, and my score is thirteen seconds. Oh. If I get bet 13 seconds and I get 12.98, I win my bet and my score is 13 seconds. Oh, that's fun. But if I get 13.01, it's a DNF. <laughs> Man, I could I could set the 3x3 three three bets world record pretty easily. <laughs> Just bet like 20 every time. Well, I'm pretty sure there is a world record in that event currently that's much better than that. According to this, it's 23.96. Hmm. Yeah, that, that that does have room to go down. <laughs> My guess is that, let's see, like there's only been two competitions that it looks like that have ever had it. Yeah. And my guess is that most people just, oh, it's they, they do best of three, I think, for most. At least one competition was best of three. Yeah, hmm. one of them was done as oh, best yes. of threes. Single so is people... more competitive. Single is ten. Yes. Oh, no, no, it's all, this event is just best of three, so like the average world record is very much for the taking but you're like not competing for first place at the competition (laughs) yeah so that's kind of interesting okay so so tell me more about this website yes anyways (laughs) um, speed cube extra events um three by three by three scrambling (laughs) yeah it's how fast you can scramble they also have clock scrambling nice um yeah sorry go on it's so great so some of the events are a little uh too esoteric for me like there's also like three by three cubes underwater (laughs) so 
Um, <laughs> eh, nice. They have three by three with feet. <laughs> yeah. Well, they they imported everyone's three by three with feet results from WCA and are now storing the whole rankings there. It's basically a way that feet can sort of live on for people that want it to live on. And mm-hmm. if you want to just develop new events like super big cubes, like eight or nine or yeah. curvy copter or, or master sc- pyraminx. Scrambling all WCA puzzles. <laughs> There's some events I don't think I'll ever try. Let's be real. <laughs> At least as an organizer, I will not try yeah. them. <laughs> like three by three with oven mitts. Um, <laughs> but... I think there's a lot of value in having basically a place to put all of these results in one place so that can be ranked just like an official WCA event. And if anyone is a WCA delegate, you automatically can hold SEE events at your competitions. Interesting. So I was just at a competition. I organized a competition with Team Blind, but we didn't submit our results here. Yeah, I pushed not Kevin to do it, too. Hmm. I saw that it was an event, and I emailed him. was like, hey, you should get this recognized by SEE. And I don't think he ever did. He and I would be ranked, like, 52nd or 53rd. Yeah. Team Blind is actually one of the more popular extra events on the website. Not including, like, they didn't yeah. import every feat result over. They just have, like, some of the records. But, like, in, it, from the results that are exclusively on SEE, Team Blind has... Uh, has been at 36 competitions with uh, 605 different pairs of competitors. Yeah. I wonder if we still have the scorecards from that. I'm going to message the rest of the organization team. Yeah, as long as you followed, like, whatever the regulation standards are for the SEE, they'll probably accept the results. Hmm. It's kind of right now just kind of, like, trying to get this thing out by word of mouth to organizers so that they, you know, feel more comfortable in holding an unofficial event if it's popular in their area. I, I, I think that this is a really big step forward. If, if SEE really takes off, I think it basically sort of becomes like the unofficial tier three. Yeah. Do you do you know who's behind SEE? Um, I don't know his... I can't... It, it, it's a bunch of uh, Russian cubers that are behind it. I don't know their names offhand. It's uh, Vladimir Kuznetsov and um, Konstantin Soloviev. Okay. I'm probably butchering that name, uh, both of those names. Uh, but they're the two. Uh, oh, and there's also Alexi uh, Yargin. Uh, again, I'm probably butchering those names. But those three seem to be the main ones behind SEE. Okay, so it is publicly known who runs it. Yes. Um, they're listed as, I think, like the senior delegates or something on the website. Yeah, they're the three ones that are listed as senior delegates. Mm. Hey, you're on here. Yep. I uh, got some... Uh, Kilominx results retroactively recognized that I was a oh, part nice. of. So, what what do these symbols on here mean? There's like a cube, and then there's a like little people symbol. I think that's how many people have competed at your competitions. Hmm. Okay. And you you've held two competitions maybe, and comp- had thirty two recorded or something. Yeah, I think that's right. It's weird though, because I think Team Blind, t- like even if there are duplicate people on different teams, they count as different people. Hmm. So I think that it, it's a little bit weird, but yeah. But yeah, I think that SEE is really, if it takes off, I think it could be a really positive influence on the Cuban community to just, you know, make this a much more smooth transition from official to unofficial where people might actually consider practicing things like Master Pyraminx or Curvy Copter or things like that. Yeah, that would be fun. 
because uh, I've I've actually been practicing quite a bit of uh, those two events because they're on the speed solving weekly competition. Mm. Uh, and I love Master Pyramix. Oh yeah, you had this in the show notes for like a long time, and then yeah. you just never did anything with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little more relevant now, but um, Master Pyramix is a really fun puzzle. It's like a mini four by four with no parity. Ooh, that's nice. Yeah, like you do edge pairing in it, and you don't ever do center building on it, but like at least the method I've been using, you just pair edges right away. Mm-hmm. Then you do a pyraminx solve, and then you do like the last step. But like edge pairing has no parity on pyraminx because every turn is an even permutation. Oh yeah. So it's I don't it's it's really fun, and it kind of makes me wonder if like they did the next higher order of pyraminx, if that would be like actually the the like four by four without parity event that people would be looking for yeah because that would seem to have more like center building sort of aspects to it if if i were to pick up one of these extra events and start practicing it would master pyraminx be the one that you'd recommend uh it, personally i think it, if you're just looking for a plain speed solving event i think master pyraminx by far is the most fun wait does see mean we can organize like really weird stuff too like like rob's challenge stuff you could yeah you could totally do they it they just accept anything mostly yeah as long as they'll basically add any event if um you want it to be an event oh wow and you plan on doing it at a competition rob's challenge fmc at a comp yeah or like uh like eight man fmc find the best single you can challenge <laughs> single scramble 24 hours eight people go ooh wow <laughs> at an official competition yeah <laughs> that'd be really i don't know if that would be accepted just because it'd be really hard to like police whether people use cube explorer or not yeah that's true <laughs> um like it should be something that is done like in like a competition setting like a wca event would um which like you could do like rob's challenge somewhat easily i guess you'd have to worry about people like talking about the same scramble in the same room yeah that's kind of the biggest problem with it like Rob's challenge, like three by three, would surely be a good team event. Yeah, that would be fun. Rob's challenge pen capping, <laughs> where you pen cap your own and then team the third the third one. Yep, I've done it. <laughs> I have the uh, unofficial world record, or well, uh, Kevin Matthews and I do. That is hilariously dumb, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways. Um, I'm optimistic for the future, and I think that uh, there could be a world in which there's not this giant chasm between official and unofficial events, and I think that will really take the sting off of losing feet for a lot of people if Mm -hmm. things like SEE can really take off. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a really cool site, and really it just needs critical mass. Like, Yeah. As it is right now, it's kind of you go on there and there's not much there. Yeah, so start spreading the news, people. Get your get your local organizers to do SEE events. The website looks good, though. It's well-organized and mm-hmm. it's got the results. <laughs> yeah, it's got the results. That's... Like Just like Arby's has got the meats. We've got the results. This podcast has been sponsored <laughs> by Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's when I do something stupid. <laughs> So, Andrew, what can you do with a 3D printer for Cuban? What can I do with a 3D printer? That's what I want to know. You, t- story time. My friend told me I could borrow his 3D printer and then said, surprise, 
when I said borrow, I meant you could have it. So I have a 3D printer now. What? Uh, <laughs> yeah. No. You want to print me some clock covers? <laughs> yeah. So th that's what I wanted to talk about. Like, what are useful things I can 3D print for cubing? The easiest thing if you don't have them are like really good um, O-ring or button protectors for stack mm. timers. You can 3D print those? Yeah, if you go to the Speedstacks website, they have files already made for, like, really small button protectors. Okay, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> so that's one really easy thing you can do if you don't have good O-rings already. Um, have you have you seen the ones that we have on our timers? Uh, I probably have, but I don't they're, know if they're I They're, like, triangular. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, they have that file. Let me know if you need it, if you can't find it. Um, yeah. And then, of course, clock but, covers, because makes it way easier to transport a clock when you have a cube cover that's actually shaped like it. Yeah. I mean, there's, like, also, like, if I don't know if you're doing any designing of stuff. Like, do you know how to design anything with a 3D printer? Uh, to some extent, yeah. Okay, because I have zero experience with that. But this is kind of getting more esoteric. But, like, have you heard about the Mr. M Pyraminx? No. So there's this puzzle, like a budget Pyraminx. It's like the Shangshao Mr. M. And I can't remember what was wrong with it, but like people loved the puzzle except for the tips. Like it oh, was a, okay. like people thought like what this is like world class kind of puzzle. But the tips suck. So are you are you suggesting that I could try to like print new tips for that? Well, uh, Cubicle already does this, but like oh, I'm just okay. giving an example of like how there are probably like small micro adjustments that you could do to puzzles. Yeah, that seems tough i don't know if i have that kind of design skill like i can do okay i can do like like i could design a clock cover because that's just kind of like simple geometric shapes a box uh, yeah yeah it's a box with like yeah indentations and stuff yeah we have a set of clock covers that we pass around in the northwest um and what's nice about them is they stack up yeah so that's a those are really nice to have. <laughs> It'd be mm -hmm. nice too if they were if you if like new clock covers were designed that could stack and could also fit angstrom clocks. Oh, are angstrom clocks different? Yeah, they don't fit in typical clock covers that are like really tight around the clock. Hmm. Well, I could try to design something. And it's kind of tough because like you don't want to have like a like any clock like too loose inside the cover, or else mm -hmm. the pins could get adjusted. Uh, maybe you could like. I don't know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to picture something where like you could have an adjustable thing that like clamps on or something. Maybe yeah. It doesn't seem like it would be that hard to make. Right. So that's an idea. I suppose I could also just like print a clock itself. There are plenty of good or 3D printed clock designs out there. Are there really? Or at least some, I think. Or at least yeah, clock you... parts. Not maybe not the whole thing, but like there are lots of mods and stuff with clocks that are 3D printed, and you can like yeah. have special slots. Like you can print the magnets into them. Yeah, I guess, do you have the ability to print, like, clear things? I probably could if I got the right filament for it. Okay. Yeah, because that would be the hardest part, at least if you were, like, doing it the um, the typical way one makes mm -hmm. a clock. The Angstrom's yeah. weird in how it makes, because I think they don't 3D print the clear part of it. Um, mm. But, like, the clear case is really challenging. Yeah, that might be something you just have to get a piece of fitted plastic for, or just cut yeah. a piece of plastic or something. Yeah, because um, a lot of people have made, like, 4x4 four four clocks before mm -hmm. using, like, some 3D printed parts. So, I don't know. I'm getting a little dreamy now with what you could do with a 3D printer. Mm -hmm. I think the most, uh, the simplest things are just uh, the button protectors and clock covers that require 3D, 3D printing. Yeah. 
Um, I guess I maybe like some like small simple puzzles. Uh, yeah, one by one by two. Yeah, something like that <laughs> would definitely be a thing. Uh, Just proof of concept. I could print a puzzle. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I think it's not terribly difficult to make like a one by two by three as well. Yeah, probably. Pretty sure there's a lot of existing files out there that you could just print too Mm -hmm. yeah i don't know my mind is very much like oriented towards the like aspect of uh competitions though so yeah is there anything that like you could think of offhand that would make competition life easier uh you know what one thing that i've always thought would be really interesting is if and again this might be dreaming uh like one thing that we've gotten better at with harmonica holders for in the northwest is the paper is attached to the harmonica holder with magnets Ooh, okay so what i do is even though it kind of blocks my vision i put the um harmonica holder on and just let it be in like the up position so it's kind of in my field of vision i just hold the cube in a way that it's not like it's not blocking my view Mm mm-hmm and then when I'm ready to go, I just grab the paper and slap it on. Okay. Um, it's a little better than, like, you know, having to put the cube down and adjusting or whatever. I can just grab the paper with one hand, put it on, and go. Yeah. This is getting a little dreamy, but imagine a world where, like, people are wearing a device when they do blind events. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do uh, once the blind event starts is, like, attach the opaque object to the device. It's so like similar to what I'm doing with like the paper, but it, there's nothing in my way. Oh, so what if what if I'm thinking now like you kind of have like not goggles per se, but like like a frame around your eyes and then you have the paper attached to a thing that can slide into that frame pretty easily. Hmm. I could imagine something like that maybe. I guess when when you're blurring the lot, it's difficult though because like <sighs> I don't know, like, you still want there to be something that a judge is, like, in control of with the eyesight, because you don't want, like, to give competitors full control over the blindfold. Yeah. In case of cheating incidents. And putting it in the goggles kind of makes it something that competitors would have to trigger, to some extent. Uh, And, I mean, like, I know harmonica holders are also, like, towing the line there, um, because really it's the competitor that puts it on and uses it themselves. Mm -hmm. Um but it's a lot more obvious to the judges like what they can and can't see. Yeah, so what I'm thinking is like if you have like a big piece of paper and it could still be something that slides in over your eyes, but then it just like it's like a big piece of paper just over your entire face. Yeah, I, I guess <laughs> would they still put a blindfold on though? Hmm, that's a good point. That's that's where I'm concerned is that it would be like there would be no act of them putting on a blindfold to start the solve. Yeah. My thought is just that, like, there would be some two-part device, like, one being the part you wear around the neck, and then the second being the part that, like, you slap on to the device. That seems like it would have to be a little bit more complicated than something I could just 3D print. Yeah. Because that that would have, like, a clamp and stuff. Probably, yeah. And a hinge. But maybe. Yeah. I don't know if I could could make something that you could work quickly, at least. Right. Yeah, Which I guess, then kind of defeats the purpose. <laughs> yeah, I, my my dream is that somehow, like, we create devices that, like, basically becomes the rule that, like, competitors have to wear said device if they're doing mm-hmm. a long blind event. Mm-hmm. And all judge has to do is attach the thing once they start solving. Okay. So that, like, competitors have the least discomfort and, like, time lost due to playing with a device. Mm-hmm. 
and judges have the easiest time like not having to sit at one competitor holding a sheet of paper <laughs> yeah but i don't know i'm probably dreaming too much <laughs> <laughs> what about like uh i don't know like timers and displays and anything like that one thing that actually kind of cool is um designing a display holder that isn't crap what do you mean <laughs> Like, I don't know, the, the, the display arms that come with the typical Speedstacks display, in my eyes, are terrible. The clamp things? Yeah. I hate them. Why? They don't seem that bad to me. Uh, just the, the clamp is so annoying to get on. They break all the time. Mm. I don't know if you ever had a, a display arm from Speedstacks, like, just seize up where it can't be unscrewed or, like it unscrewed like we had once like the plastic handle that like you use to clamp just completely like screw itself off hmm. i've i've never had that experience and i haven't like heard about that specifically from any of the people who transport those around out here but <laughs> we've 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 lost <laughs> an know. arm once like we ha- we had a venue we were like we can't get this thing off the table sorry <laughs> <laughs> like um like someone just tightened it a little too hard and then like when we did that the nub like that you used to unscrew it like when we tried to unscrew it we just ripped the nub off wow (laughs) like i've seen uh in texas like jay park has these um display arms that like you just like it's kind of like a a clip like you just go up to the table and it just like spring clamps to the table yeah that would be better huh yeah. And I could definitely print parts for that. It would definitely need, like, a spring and stuff, though. Right, um, yeah. You definitely have to, like, source other parts. But, like, something that, like, would just... You know, you 3D print the pole and, like, the base that would have the extra part that would just clamp on. I wonder how hard, how hard it would be to convince, or convert, like, a food grabber thing <laughs> to do something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. What else would be useful? Um... I might try to make uh, magnetic insertion labels at some point. Yeah, if those are legal. Yeah. It's unclear. We'll never know until someone does it. (laughs) Isn't that always seemed like how it works with the WCA? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Someone has idea. Regulations unclear. No answer as to whether they are legal. Someone does it. Question mark, question mark, question mark. Profit. Yep. (laughs) um yeah so i could i could print like little thin plastic things with magnets built in and then getting the magnets into the cube itself would still be a challenge but yeah you'd have to find like the right cube that would work with magnets on the exterior of the pieces yeah yeah and i'd have to be very careful with all the polarity and stuff (laughs) yeah you would there too well not so much because like if you just have pieces of metal you're attaching to them like they'll just stick to the cube regard i mean i guess it depends on how strong the magnet you put inside i I was thinking i would put in the labels themselves like leave a little slot for a magnet and then put a little Mm. neodymium magnet into the label itself okay well then yeah then then you have to be careful yeah because that that, just to make sure it's strong enough basically right right so that's an idea (laughs) that is an idea can you print magnets Mm. like is there magnetic material that you can print from i'm sure there's like you can print you can print i can't with my printer do anything like this but you could print like theoretically magnetic materials i don't think you could print them and have them be magnetized like immediately yeah yeah. um Hmm. 
but theoretically you could print like a magnetic metal. Yeah, I can't do that though. Anything I'm doing with magnets would just be like leave a spot for the magnet, pause the print, put the put the magnet in, and then like print over the magnet. Right, uh, right. That kind of thing. Gotcha. I mean, I printed a like a cell phone stand already so that, that oh, I can nice. use to like record my solves or whatever. That's isn't uh, that what a seven by seven's for? <laughs> yes, I printed a seven by seven, but without any of the seven by seven ness. <laughs> yeah, did you ever see Kevin Matthews do that all the time when he was? Yeah, in he stuff? all the time. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that's. I think that's like the ultimate style points for tripod is like putting <laughs> your phone in like in between slices of a seven by seven that's propped up to be a stand. Yeah. <laughs> ultimate gangster status. <laughs> yeah. So that's. I guess what the most the easiest thing to do is the small button protectors, which is a good idea. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I, and uh, it's nice, too, because, like, I always, like, farm those out to 3D printing services or, like, online, and it's super expensive to get those tiny little things printed. Really? I'd yeah. Admit, I guess probably the shipping cost is, like, part of that? I don't know. It's somewhat part of it. I, don't know, I remember it being, like, 40-something dollars to get, like, 200 wow. of them printed. That seems like a lot. Yeah, they're tiny. Yeah, like, I mean... 3D printing is pretty cheap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure it's like they're they're lending out their printers as a service. They have to mark it up to make it yeah. worth their, the time of the printer, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I don't... I mean, it was still cheap enough that it was worth it for me to do it. So, there's that. Yeah, I've just been... The whole time I've had this, it's like... I have this roll of filament that I was given with it. And it's just... I've printed so many things and I've prototyped a bunch of things. Like, mostly stuff for board games. Uh, uh, yeah but yeah it's just like i could print like an infinite amount of stuff for like no money <laughs> yeah Ooh, side note um have you ever played cryptid before you told me about that uh, i have i want to try it okay i'll i'll try to bring that on the, my plane to uh Mark yeah Winter. but I um i would really love to get um some 3d printed bear and cougar tokens for that game hmm okay uh, they're on the board but really hard to see and if you had, like, tokens to put on the squares, it'd be a lot easier. All right. Well, if you send me some dimensions, I can see what I can do. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So I guess that's about it for 3D printing with cubing. Yeah. Uh, there's not that much I can do outside of the obvious things, like printing puzzles. and. Right, which I am not familiar with what 3D printing puzzles are, exist yeah. out there. <laughs> I looked on Thingiverse, and there are some designs. I feel like I could probably design my own if I was okay with it, like, turning terribly. Uh, <laughs> right, because I mean, the, the the kind of I feel like just every three D printed like piece is super scratchy. Yeah, <laughs> and probably high high friction. Yep, I mean if you if you think about how most three D printing works, like you're just putting layers down of a thing, so there's naturally it makes it so that three D printed things are easy to glue together. Uh, right, because you have <laughs> very unflat surfaces. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> always a positive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, Andrew, I've been following stuff on cubing Instagram. Like, I think one of the uh, biggest regrets I have and continue to have in my life is following the hashtag cubing hashtag. (laughs) Um, Just because I get pretty much every kind of cubing post that exists. Oh, yeah. Has a hashtag in it. (laughs) Um, Because any cubing post that, like, is going to use hashtags will use hashtag cubing, it seems. Although it probably seems like that to me because I'm following hashtag cubing. (laughs) So I'm probably biased. Regardless, 
I want to talk about one of the stupidest, unfunniest memes that I see <laughs> out in these me- in these uh, Instagram posts. Okay. <laughs> um, legit, there are just memes that try to make a joke out of drinking lube. Really? Yes. Hmm. Like, <laughs> like it, it's the bait stupid kids into doing stupid things that can harm their health. And like... Yeah. It's not even... The stuff they're making is legitimately just not even funny. Yeah, that just seems bad. Yeah, I don't... (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I have a problem with most, like, cubing meme culture in that, like, 99% of cubing memes are awful. Yep. Uh... (laughs) I don't know. It's... Like, here's a... Here's here's an example of an awful meme. Um, Have you seen, like, uh, like, the weird face dude with like things like stonks or things associated yeah. okay some of those are funny some of those are funny but the, here is one of the memes where the text at the top is when your cubing friends visit so instead of drinking dnm you make a mix between dnm lubical silk and gravitas and it's that dude with the word single word chef s-h-e-f that that doesn't even make sense as a like instead of what <laughs> yeah it's it, it because like apparently legitimately like drinking lubes like dnm is a meme and it's a completely unfunny meme yeah <laughs> i don't know to like probably 13 year old minds it's probably absolutely hilarious sure whatever but <laughs> like on what planet does dr- like the idea of just saying wall drink lube is how is that funny yeah i don't know it's just in to me, it's like such a woeful imbalance of unfunny and stupidity to the point of like encouraging people to do stupid things. Yeah, like if it's funny, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, it, to some extent, <laughs> it's funny and like ultimately clear that it is a joke. Then sure, but like these jokes are so bad, it's not even clear they're jokes. Yeah, like I. So, anyways, I've been seeing a lot of stupid memes about drinking lube. And uh, it makes no sense to me. I agree. On a side note, you should click the other <laughs> link in the show notes, though. I like this one. <laughs> uh, hmm. Yeah. So uh, we'll link this in the uh, in the show notes for this podcast. See, like this is a, a good high effort <laughs> meme. <laughs> yes. And uh, this has been getting like shared on Facebook a bit too recently. Like we're like cubers are having non-cubers share this thing with them to be like yo look at this <laughs> um and like i think the concept of this is called milk cube which of <laughs> course it's two percent milk um and the slogan is solve the cube to unlock the sweet <laughs> sweet milky innards um <laughs> See, it's something stupid. Uh, <laughs> so, um, I don't know. Like, it's um, <laughs> the more you look at this picture, the more ridiculous it gets. It gets. Yeah. Like, the guy's um, face is disturbing. <laughs> very. Uh, like, it took me a while to realize how disgusting his ear is. <laughs> Uh, like that that took me a long time to notice that um but i guess it like has this concept of being like an oscar's treasure chest where if you solve it you could drink the milk inside the cube 
then you start to like notice like the small text where it's like warning contain milk it just says contain yes <laughs> and OS. <laughs> keep refrigerate oh i didn't notice that one <laughs> yep as i said the more you look at this the more ridiculous it gets um so apparently this comes from a subreddit called obvious plant I've heard reference to Obvious Plant. What is it? <laughs> it's uh, basically someone who makes... Actually, it's probably not... I think it's an Instagram called Obvious Plant, but the subreddit, like, people discuss the stuff from this okay. Instagram. And um, basically, this dude makes f- fake products and puts them in the real world. Oh. <laughs> and hence why, like, they put things on that, like, Obvious Plant. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, the, the label of this is not a real product dead birds they are all died even this one (laughs) a harsh realities learning product (laughs) they were probably hit by a truck or something (laughs) so i'm sure that this cube is probably just a normal cube with a milk cube logo on it Mm -hmm. but i want the cube (laughs) even if there's no milk inside i just want a cube with a milk cube logo Uh, I don't know. uh, Totally tangential, but like this is this is the uh, this is drinking lube when it's funny. Yeah, (laughs) this is this this is when if you're to any thirteen year old listening to this podcast making memes, I want you to understand what is and isn't funny. (laughs) And the meme I described at first, which I will definitely not be linking the show notes because it does not deserve any recognition, is completely unfunny whereas here now you've landed on funny all right we've got some things that we usually do every episode usually yeah, uh, usually <laughs> and we're not doing them today goodbye oh <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> you know what though i am going to announce that i'm officially deprecating the martin eggdall of the day segment uh it will no longer be supported in future versions of it layer by layer. Please use our updated APIs. But do you have a I, last I, one? I, I don't. I, I just need a new segment. So, so I, I'd like to solicit recommendations for a new segment at this point. Well, I think that somebody in the uh, subreddit comments gave you a good Eggdal of the day. Oh, really? Hey, guys, guess what? I have a great Martin Eggdal of the day. Martin Eggdal is now a member of the WDC. Which is like WD-40, but instead of 40, it's 12. <laughs> Which clearly means that we can't have any more Martin Engdahls of the day, because by joining the WRC, or D- WDC, he has clearly given up on cubing and will do nothing interesting left <laughs> in the rest of his cubing career. Hence, we must retire the segment. Yes, this is the reason. Yep, definitely the reason. Look to forward ignore to next everything. episode when I have a new segment. Ignore everything said previously. This is the reason why it must end. Yes, exactly. There, yep. We never said anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, ignore the evidence of your eyes and ears. We're sorry it had to end this way, Martin. Uh, you had a great career. Yes. <laughs> um, from now on, mentioning Martin Eggdoll on the podcast is illegal. Uh, okay, I, I'll live with it, I guess. And you will be executed. Uh, I so basically you just made a rule where only you or I can be killed <laughs> no just you you'll mention I, I said you can be executed <laughs> yeah. no matter which of us mentions Martin Eggdoll man that's a that's a 
pretty draconian rule here. I think I'm going to quit the podcast. <laughs> I think it's fair. Uh... <laughs> I mean, you do edit the podcast, so I guess it's fair. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of weekly segments that aren't weekly, because uh, we don't post weekly, um, what's your what's your prediction of the day? I do have a prediction of the day. Oh, yeah? Yes. What do you predict? And- and in the honor of ending segments, this will also be my last. For now. I don't know. I'm what? Getting, I'm getting a little tired of pr- bad predictions of the day. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to mention them as they resolve, though, of course. Of course, yeah. I think that's fair. But my uh, bad prediction of the day this time uh, is that <laughs> uh, there will be two competitors that will get 50 or more points in multi, not named Graham Siggins before Graham Siggins breaks 60 points. Whoa. Yeah, that is a bad prediction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought it was too. <laughs> so, I, so, think, I think one person breaking 50 is actually not the worst prediction ever. Yeah, that's possible. I, I think that it's that would be like probably like 30% chance to 70 for Graham getting it, getting 60 or more first. But I think two people makes it a bad prediction, but still possible. Like, who are the two people? Like, Shivam Mark, Yu Ching Chen, maybe. Ro Hessler. Ro Hessler, yes. The shadow <laughs> candidate. That's right. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's, there's definitely people I think could do it, but um, I think what is going against that prediction is that Graham is probably practicing the most out of anyone that's even close to him right now yeah and he's very close to breaking 60 already i think yeah like i think that this prediction would it goes very much against the uh, 69 out of 69 prediction i made <laughs> um but i think it is a bad prediction still <laughs> <laughs> yep sure and is that's why i am making it because yep. i'm all about those <laughs> for for one last time of course yeah yeah and you can always dip back in yeah, you know? I, I might bring it back in the future. I think that uh, I'm going to try to do a different ending segment for a little while, though, because I think it's been getting a little stale, the whole bad prediction thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think we'll bring it back maybe when it's, uh, when you know, every once in a while when I have, you know, something that's uh, edgy and fresh. But nothing <laughs> really feels edgy or fresh right now. Makes sense. So that's exciting. Next episode, we're going to have some all new ending segments that are going to be real interesting or not. Spoopy. So what did we learn today? <laughs> um, we learned that I do embarrassing things right before a bell rings. We didn't learn that. You just think that because you're self-conscious. <laughs> that is true. We all, everyone else learned that Kit is self-conscious. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. We also learned that this podcast is evolving as a show yeah and we learned that uh crab rave is a wonderful tune oh man i just forgot i forgot that i made myself do that in editing (laughs) (laughs) i hate when i make more work for myself during the show (laughs) uh sucks to suck um (laughs) we also learned that 13 year olds are really unfunny yeah um and that 3d printers will um 
the the start of the AI revolution. Whoa! Did we mention that? I forgot that part. I think we did. I think yeah, we probably. That. Um, <laughs> we also learned that the show is over. 